0: Good morning, and welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Wolt, and today I'm getting a little bit coffee smarter by asking one of our resident coffee experts about dialing in roasts and at-home brewing methods. One of my favorite people to talk to, not just on this show, but in the world, Siri Simran Kulsa, the executive director of Lofty Coffee, is back to drop some knowledge on us all. Lofty Coffee opened a new cafe in Carlsbad, California this year. I know I've mentioned it on the show and I finally made it over for a cup of coffee just the other day. It's a great open air space, which is important to me as I'm still limiting my going out interactions due to COVID. I've been vaccinated, but I figure if the outdoor or open air spots are there, this is California, and they are serving good coffee, then why not help stop the spread as long as possible? I buy a lot of coffee from a lot of different roasteries, including Lofty, but there are so many variables to consider when brewing at home Like the coffee-to-water ratio, the brewing method, the grind size, sometimes it feels like I'm not maximizing my cups of coffee and by the time I figure out what tastes best, there's only like a cup or two left in the bag, which can be really frustrating. It's been a few weeks since Siri has been on the show, so I'm glad she's here to tackle this with me today. She's going to use a term in our upcoming conversation that I want to define for anyone who hasn't worked in hospitality. The term par or par stock refers to the level of supplies needed be they ingredients or soap or rags or cans of cold brew, to meet the demands of operation. When I was managing restaurants, I'd often think in terms of daily, weekly, and monthly PARs, depending on which products I was ordering. I often had a minimum PAR, and then as the sales or usage went up or down, I'd have to adjust. The bigger a food and drink operation is, be it a busy restaurant or a chain of coffee shops, the more fluctuations in PAR stock can be absorbed into a budget. But for a very small business or a one-off business, often correctly managing PAR can be a true determining factor of success by preventing waste and by extension helping manage their budget, enabling the staff to have proper supplies, and be able to best serve the customer fresh products consistently. So PAR is important. Also important is that while you're listening today, you take a moment to follow at roast west coast on Instagram. I'm just kidding, it's not that important. But I'd certainly appreciate it if you did. You'll also find links to this podcast's coffee newsletter on roastwestcoast.com. And if you've been enjoying the show, please consider subscribing or buying us a cup of coffee to help us continue providing this coffee content. That'd be very cool of you to do today. Right now, I hope your coffee mug is full, because it's time for today's Coffee Smarter Session on the Roast West Coast podcast. Hey Siri, welcome back to Roast West Coast. Uh, we are on season three. It's the second time that we are talking this season, and I'm excited that you're back.
1: Thank you so much for having me back.
0: This week we are going to jump right into questions, um, and I want to talk to you about creating grind profiles and dialing in roasts. Um, and I'm going to kind of last week you well not last week I suppose a few weeks ago now, but You were talking about shipping and how you guys store at Lofty. You have a warehouse in the Bay Area where you have green coffee kind of waiting. When that green coffee comes to you at the roasting facility in Lofty Encinitas and you are seeing it for the first time and you're smelling it and you're kind of getting an idea of if it matches what you thought you were buying, because that's not always quite the same. How do you start dialing in how you're going to roast this coffee?
1: Yeah. So To get
0: like the most out of it.
1: Yeah, I love, oh, I'm so happy with this question because this is what I've been doing all week, actually. Um, so I'm sure all sorts of roasters have different approaches to it. But my approach is, um, first of all, the coffees that we source, we do have um, an intended use for it. So, for example, we'll get our comp- different components for our espresso blend. So we we know that this coffee is going to be used for espresso Um, And we have an ideal flavor profile in mind, or we have some single origin offerings that we know are going to be featured at least on our menu as a pour over. Um, So filtered coffee. So um, I usually, when we get coffee in the intended use is already predetermined. Uh, But when it comes to actually getting the most out of the coffee, what I do is I'll, depending on the time and, Um, in this situation we have, um, because we were so delayed on the arrival of these coffees, we need to like get them on the shelves as soon as possible. (laughs) So potentially what I'll do is at this point I've already received pre-ship samples and arrival samples. So I've already done sample roasts and kind of know what the flavor profile of the coffee is. Um, so now I need to profile it and dial it in, in, uh, for production roasts on, a bigger production roaster, and my approach is what I'll do is um, going off of where the coffee's from, the coffee's density, the coffee's moisture content, uh, the coffee's pr- the way that the coffee's been processed. I'll have a predetermined idea of the ideal uh, temperature and batch size for the coffee going into the roaster, so I'll start there. And usually for the first roast of a coffee, I kind of allow it to take on heat the way that it naturally does. Again, it might be the first time I'm roasting this coffee on this production roaster. So kind of seeing how the coffee uh, takes on it, the heat. And I'll do that. I'll roast it through the drying phase, its caramelization Maillard phase into development. And depending on where the coffee hits first crack, I will then determine a end temperature that's typically going to be a little bit darker or a little bit higher temp than what I actually want the coffee to be at. But by doing this throughout the development phase in the roast, I'll pull out samples directly from the roaster at different temperatures so that after the next day after the roast, I can cup all these different Uh, samples from the exact same roast at different temperatures and different times throughout that development phase. And through that, I can really identify where, at what temperature am I getting the most sweetness? At what time am I getting the most out of the texture and body of this coffee? And it's not a perfect way of doing it because, you know, you might like one temperature, but then the one at a higher temperature, but a longer time might have some qualities. So actually from there, I'll be like, okay, at this temperature, I'm getting these really sweet blackberry flavors. But at this higher temperature, the body is really smooth and silky. So what I might do is I might on the next roast, alter the roast and have it at this lower temperature, but at a longer time. And then furthermore, kind of through the roast and um, be able to see, you know, I maybe need to actually shorten the caramelization phase, or maybe I need to apply the heat at the beginning a little bit differently. So off of that first roast, I'm learning a lot about how the coffee roasts and where it it tastes the best. Actually, here we are on a Saturday, um, and next Monday I'm going to be... I've cut already uh, on Friday. I cupped some of these uh, coffees that I'm profiling, and on Monday we're going to actually... Roast them to their fullest potential. Another great thing about pulling samples throughout the roast is uh, you can start to see where the coffees may be tasting underdeveloped. So you're like, okay, I'm going to try not to go this low on this temperature, or definitely make sure that we're roasting it longer because at this time and temperature, we're getting these underdeveloped flavors, and then vice versa. If I because on that roast, I'm taking it a little bit longer. I can see that, okay, at this temperature and this time is when we're starting to get some diminished sweetness or like roasty flavors. So I know that I don't wanna take it that far either. So again, that first roast, I'm learning a lot about where the potential of this coffee. And then from there, I'll tweak it.
0: You said something that was really interesting to me. So I I came out of college uh, uh, as a photographer. And mm-hmm. something that you learn when you, you learn about film photography is this concept of bracketing, where you essentially say, I think I know what the right exposure is, the right aperture, the right time, um, but I'm going to bracket it. So when I press that button to take a picture, it actually takes three pictures. It takes that one that I set for, and it also takes one where maybe the time is a little bit longer and the aperture is a little bit narrower, or it's a little bit wider and a little bit shorter. And you kind of get, then you compare all three and say, okay, which one of these seems closest to what I thought it would be? And then you, you dial it in from there. So that's a concept that kind of goes across uh, art forms to some extent. Yeah. I think roasting is an art form. Totally. And I had a question from way back at the beginning. You, you said something about batch size uh, in your roaster. And I guess I just kind of assumed. That you would just put in the most beans that you possibly could. Are you saying that uh, some coffees might roast better if you only have so many kilograms or so many you know grams of coffee versus more, or that how many beans are in that that uh, hopper, so to speak, actually impacts what it tastes like at the end?
1: Totally, that's a great question. So, first of all, to speak to batch size, and you know, in this profiling phase, this is not going to be as a as um, might not be the case, but uh, in production roasting, at least how we do it at Lofty is we're actually only roasting, we are roasting to a certain par. So we're not going to be roasting the same amount of coffee every day. Uh, we, we evaluate how much coffee we have in stock, our current usage in our cafe and our wholesale, how much online sales we're doing. And from there we kind of calculate, okay, we need to roast this much coffee today. Um, And we do this to reduce waste so that we're not just like roasting coffee. And then we're like, oh, we don't need this much coffee. So, you know, each roast day looks very different in the sense of the amount that we're roasting and which coffees we're roasting, depending on our usage. And, but then to talk about batch size, something I've found, and I think a lot of, you can find this online of, of recommendations, you know, on the current roaster that I'm working on, the recommended smallest batch size is six pounds and the largest recommended batch size is 33 pounds. But I do not think that roasting 33 pounds or roasting six pounds is you're going to have the optimal um, control or like uh, heat transfer because in, in that super small batch, it's just very hard to control the, the heat that's going into it. And then, Vice versa on the very large batch. Those, although that's like the recommended max capacity, I'll find that the the coffee will not take on the heat as well. So I try to keep my batch sizes in between forty to seventy percent of the capacity of the roaster. So that's anywhere from like twelve pounds to like twenty seven pounds. So. Typically on just to because uh, that first roast that I'm profiling is potentially it might not go the way as planned and potentially might not be up to our standard and be able to serve it. Uh, I'll do like a 13 to maybe 20 pound roast, depending on the coffee and its usage, Um, because potentially we might actually not put it out into service again because it's we're still trying to identify the best use or the best. Uh, way to roast the coffee. So.
0: So that takes me to the next kind of step of this, which is you are developing the scryme profile at the shop. I come there, I buy a bag of coffee and I bring it home. And this is something that I, I wish roasters would do as a customer, which is put on the bag what type of brewing process they think mm. the coffee is best for, whether it's French press or pour over or machine or espresso, whatever it is. Yeah. But I find that I'm, I'm spending a lot of time and kind of en- not energy, but just a lot of coffee dialing in that bag of coffee. So what the water ratio is, what if I'm brewing it as a French press or like I do French press and pour over at home a lot. Um, and some coffees, like I'll just be like, man, I don't know why this coffee is everyone likes it so much. Or uh, this coffee roaster gets graded really well or rated really well. And it, then I'll just switch up how I'm making it in the morning. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is like the best coffee. Like, I love it.
1: I get coffee. it. <laughs> do you ha- do you ha-
0: yeah. Do you have any advice for like dialing in that roast at home quicker or, you know, for people like me who like can- don't want to buy five bags of coffee to figure out the, the one that I like because I want to keep trying different <laughs> coffees? Any advice on that front? Or is there a reason why you don't see that more often that roasters give you a recommendation for how to do it at home?
1: Yeah, so to speak to the recommendation, um, actually the last trip that we took to Origin, we happened to also be visiting some producers with another coffee company. And that was super cool because we got to kind of share our insights around um, purchasing coffee, but then also roasting and brewing. And I guess me and the, the person I was traveling with we were discussing how oh wow this coffee would taste really am- amazing as a uh, aeropress and the other uh the other folks they kind of ch- chimed in and they're like it's really interesting that you you speak of it in this way because our philosophy is that like a co- a good coffee is a good coffee no matter what brewing method so uh, to me that was my mm. i was like huh that's really interesting cuz and I think that's their approach is that they buy really good coffee and the coffee is good and you can brew it however you want and it'll be good. And that's their like thought process around it. Where through my experience, I do find, yes, a good coffee is a good coffee, but sometimes if you brew it in a particular way, you get maybe the most out of it, um, what it has to offer. For example, we had a Peruvian coffee earlier this year that to me what with the it didn't have these like super punchy vibrant flavors the flavor of the coffee was actually very subtle and soft but the texture of the coffee was really incredible and just to me like it was like this full on sensory experience <laughs> and through dialing it in and making different cups of coffee to me a coffee like that really shine in, like, a higher ratio, like, a 1 to 17 ratio as, like, a pour-over, where it was, like, just really clean, that long, like, having a, like, it kind of stretched out, really, like, accentuated that, like, silky, smooth texture that it had, and, you know, you're not going to quite get that same experience if you brewed it as espresso or as a French press, so... That's just one thought into it, but I did think it was interesting. And why I think maybe some roasters don't specify the brew, the brewing method is because you don't want to make like let's say you are just an average coffee drinker and you, you make a French press. All you have at home is a French press, but you're in the shop and you are like, I'm looking for a bag of coffee. Then you look at the side of the bag and there, and it just says recommended for espresso. And then they're like, Oh, well, I don't really. Make espresso, so I'm just not even gonna buy that bag. So potentially, I—that's I, kind of where my head goes, where it's you maybe you're limiting how certain people are going to approach getting that coffee. Again, I do think I recommend as many people to like try to form relationships with their baristas because you know maybe it's like, hey, I'm looking at this coffee, like how do you recommend it? How do you brew it here? Like, and maybe they can give you some insight outside of maybe they're like, you know, I took it home and I made an arrow press with it and it was really good. So that's my thought on it. Whether that's true or not, I don't know.
0: Well, my my tip for people and this is what I've been doing is when I go to a new coffee shop and I'm going to buy a bag to take home, I usually ask what they are brewing just for their black drip coffee, Mm. because that seems to be what i will enjoy the most at home just because yeah. i can recreate that process a lot easier
1: totally. and especially
0: if i'm just introducing myself to a new roaster if i'm going to a place that i've been a bunch of times i'll, I'll experiment a little bit more but that always seems to help
1: mm-hmm.
0: siri uh, thank you again for being here uh, i'm excited to see you again soon and uh, uh, i hope we get to have a cup of coffee again
1: yeah talk soon thanks for having me
0: Okay, to recap, the process of dialing in a roast or a brew can be a little bit time consuming and a little bit tedious. I'd advise you not to get frustrated because it's hard. I say that, but I also get frustrated all the time because I want every cup I make to be perfect, which I know isn't realistic, I'm not a very good barista, but it does make me really appreciate the coffees that I'm getting from the coffee shop. Some things that have worked for me in my own home brewing include buying a decent grinder, immediate difference. It doesn't have to be a cajillion dollar one, but a burr grinder instead of a blade grinder will make an immediate noticeable difference to your coffees. Second, I've also gotten a little conservative with the coffees I buy for at home because I'm buying so many of them. Often I find myself buying the house roast or a bag of coffee that the roaster is using for their drip coffee. The reason being because I assume it'll be a little bit more forgiving and a bit more accessible for me to recreate. Then I make a point to really try the fun stuff at the shop letting the skilled baristas get the most flavor out of the cup I drink there. Now this works for me, but you may want to get crazy or have a little more fun at home. I go out for coffee quite a bit, so that when I am home, I usually just want something a little more consistent. Finally, ask the roasters or baristas. They'll probably have some good advice on the best brewing method for the coffee that you're buying. I like the idea that a good coffee will be good no matter what, which Siri brought up on the show, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to turn good into great. In the last show, the interview with Ruben Enriquez of Orahead Coffee Roasters, I mentioned that I had recently gone on a road trip and that I had been making stops at roasteries along the way. What I didn't mention was that for the first time in my adult life, in part because of my conversation with Ruben, was that my default coffee order wasn't a black coffee, no room for cream. I decided to mix things up, and I started ordering cappuccinos. One such cappuccino was made by Justin Saigan at Bivouac Coffee Roasters in Evergreen, Colorado, just west of Denver. Justin seemed like a cool dude, and my experience with Justin's in the past has always been good. And then when I asked him if he had a moment to be on the show, he said, absolutely, let's do this. So my question for you is, what's your name, where do you work, and why are you stoked about coffee every day?
1: Uh, My name's Justin Saigon. I work at Bivouac Coffee in uh, Evergreen, Colorado. And... Coffee gets me stoked every day, sharing it with people, the community it creates. I love talking to people and everybody comes in. What's better than conversation over a good cup of Joe,
0: you know? So it turns out Justin was a cool dude, and the coffee drink he made me was excellent. Bivouac's slogan is coffee by nature. And in reading about them, they put environmentally friendly coffee practices at the forefront of their mission statement. Check out their website, bivouac.coffee which I'll link to in this show's column on RoastWestCoast.com, to learn more about why they exclusively roast naturally processed coffees and why they became a B Corp, which legally obligates them to operate with the highest environmental and social standards possible. You can also follow them on Instagram at bivouac.coffee. That is it for today's episode of Roast West Coast. As always, if you have been enjoying listening to the stories of entrepreneurship of coffee professionals of coffee, nay life itself, Please share this podcast with a friend, on your social media, or subscribe. The show is free and the newsletter on roastwestcoast.com is free, but a paid subscription goes a long way towards continuing our efforts to expand this show and to grow a thriving craft coffee community. I hope you think the show is worth it. If this episode got you craving some delicious coffee, stop by one of our roast industry partners like Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Cafe La Terre, Camp Coffee Company. Moster Coffee Company, Steady State Roasting, Coffee Cycle Roasting, or Leap Coffee. You could also order a bag to be delivered to you right from those roasteries online, along with supporter Morea Coffee. I'll link to all of those companies in the show notes, and as always, thanks to Cape Horn Coffee Importers for supporting, and First Light Whiskey for making an excellent coffee whiskey that pairs well with an ice cube, a scoop of ice cream, or just straight from the flask. Finally, Siri Simran Khalsa, Executive Director at Lofty Coffee, has been ever so gracious to this show with her time and knowledge. Thank you, Siri, and I can't wait for our next chat, which is checking notes next week. This episode is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wilt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please always tip your baristas and be sure to drink good coffee.